Hello and welcome to a special celebratory 60th episode of Beyond the INC. The podcast that, unlike diamonds, probably won't be forever. Today on the podcast, we've handed control over to you, the listeners. With LP4 looking as distant as ever, we thought we'd try something a bit different. Lindsay, a long-time listener from Michigan in the United States, asked us if she could interview us for her blog. How could we say no? Exactly. In fact, we've gone one better and dedicated today's entire episode to her, asking us your questions. So it's time for us to hand over to Lindsay, who'll be taking you Beyond the Iron Sea. Beyond the Iron Sea. Hi guys, it's Lindsay. All right, I've got a doozy of a list here, so if I get cut off, I'll call you back. But we'll start from the top and I'll go down the list. All right, so the first question, some of these were submitted by a bunch of people, so if I don't give you a specific name, then it's either um, I thought it up or a bunch of fans, but the ones where it was uh, from a specific person, I'll make sure I note that. All right, so the first question we have is, how long have you guys been friends? How long have we been friends? Um, Are we friends? <laughs> um, I can remember the first time I ever called you was in the third week of February, 2004. Um that's a good fit of memory, isn't it? No, I do remember that. You just said, hello, my name's Andrew. I'm a Keen fan. And I just thought, who's this guy? I don't remember ever saying I was a Keen fan. <laughs> um, no, basically the story goes that um, about seven years ago, seven years ago this week, actually, um, I um, was sort of involved with a radio station that had uh, Keen come to visit very nicely. And a few weeks beforehand, I, I knew from a friend of a friend that Chris was you know, sort of, you know, knew a bit about Keen, the band. Um, so I asked this friend, a friend called Rachel, uh, if she'd give me Chris's number. So out of the blue, in my room in halls at Birmingham, I gave Chris a call, and the rest is history. It's been a bromance ever since. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I never thought I'd say bromance on, on Beyond the INC. But there there we go. go. <laughs> <laughs> We're even in sync now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we should move on to the next question. Next, we've got, how and when did you guys discover Keen? Well, um, purely by chance, really. Um, there's a festival on... I'm from a town called Middlesbrough, and every year they hold a free festival called Middlesbrough Music Live. Uh, and looking through the programme notes, I saw this band Keen were on. And I'd uh, read reviews of them, actually, in, uh, in the Sunday Times newspaper, and it mentioned, I think it was, uh, they play songs, aha songs in a Radiohead style or something, or it was some kind of weird description of them. But I just literally went along, free event, heard them play, and, you know, it was quite weird because it was just a small venue and, and the three of them sort of shuffled on, loading all their own equipment in. And what came out was absolutely astounding, really. It was just like, if you if you watch sort of the DVDs from 2005, obviously they're sort of, Tom's running around and a bit more outgoing, but in terms of the music, that sort of full-on blowing away sound was there and that was just to hear that out of the blue was completely inspiring so obviously i went home checked out the website and the rest is history really i think you, you, your story's a lot better than mine i um this this would have been a good nine months after after middlesbrough music live um when i was at, uh, at university i worked on a, uh, the radio station there um got sent a single and um the guy who was doing their their sort of their student promotions at the time. I think it was a guy called Rafe. Um, basically asked if I'd like to go along and do an interview with the band at the the Bar Academy, and I had I had uh, t 
Tim for about 40 minutes. The first 10 of which I tried to interview him with a, a dictaphone that didn't actually work. Um, I still have that dictaphone somewhere, but basically the first 10 minutes were cut off. Starting That's a, probably why you don't use it. Well, you know, it's starting a... a a tradition that has, that has recurred several times since then. So, um, yeah, and then obviously, the, you know, after that, we we got the singles afterwards at the station, and um, I remember going along and buying my copy of Hopes and Fears, like like everyone else, and you know, it was went from there. Next, we have after you first saw Keen perform live, did you have any inkling that they would be as successful as they are now? Why or why not? Yeah, seeing as the, the first place I ever saw them was, uh, you know, this working men's club in Birmingham where we were doing this student show um, that was all, you know, a bit surreal anyway. Uh, you know, I had I had no idea how big they were going to be. But, you know, seeing as, in my mind, they were already huge because they'd had a single at number three in the charts. Yeah, so, you know, that's pretty big. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. I think I obviously knew that they could be that big because, you know, you always think that your favourite bands are, are the best bands in the world and in in an ideal world, all your favourite bands would be number one. But, but yeah, it was just the thing that, you know, could they actually do it? And feeling quite, you know, don't want to sound too big or anything, but, you know, feeling quite proud of them, really, for, for actually making it. Next, what motivated you guys to start your podcast, Beyond the Iron Sea? Um, well, this is kind of your fault, Chris. Is it? Well, Chris moonlights um, away from his day job as the producer of a few successful football podcasts Yeah, that will I, remain nameless. I, I know how to do podcasts, and I knew that Andrew knew how to talk quite loudly and it, <laughs> uh, for long durations. And we both like Keen, so that was a, a plus. Yeah. So no, I, I think at the time you were you were producing, like, was it Danny Baker's podcast or something like that? And I, I We just started talking it, yeah. about podcasts one day, and... Um, it sort of went from there. Keen plus podcast. Hmm. Keen podcast. Exactly. Yeah. And that was that was it. Really. Pretty simple. It's uh, it's not a high tech solution. I had all the stuff already. We the only thing it's ever cost us is food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next one. How many times have you seen Keen perform live? Can you even count that many? Well, it was, I've got to be honest. We just stopped recording there, and I had to look it up because I'm such a geek. I've got a spreadsheet. And my spreadsheet tells me it's 43. That's, uh... Also, I, sh- I should point out that in the early days, when I was he- I helped out on the website a little bit, and I did get in free to a f- couple of shows, and-, and there were a lot of afternoon gigs and things like that, so... You know, things yeah. things like the Fleur de Lis that you went to, and... Yeah, loads of fun gigs. How about you, Andrew? Do you know, I, I can't remember. I-, I don't keep a spreadsheet or anything, but I mean, I- the-, the thing is... There's so many people now that go on sort of multiple sort of shows and so on that I'm sure there are people out there who've seen the band play a hell of a lot more um, than either you or I have put together. Definitely. So, um, I think I've seen a decent spread of tours, though. I think I don't think I've missed it one single yeah, I d- production. I think, you know, I couldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to pick out a best one, but, I mean, you know, certainly I've, I've seen the band play in America, which was, you know, amazing. Norway, Austria, um, all sorts of places. And, you know, every single gig was special in its own way. So it's it's all about quality, not quantity. What's the furthest you've travelled to see Keen? Outside the UK, I think the furthest is Cologne in Germany. The, the story behind that was I found a cheap flight for about £35, uh, booked it on the spot and then posted it on the message board and, you know, which flight I was going on. And then I think in total about 30 
bodies decided to book on the same flight and we all stayed in the same hotel. Yeah, that was the, that was the first time I came aboard. Um, that, was, that, was, that was a bit crazy. It was crazy the, few days. the most amazing trip and one that I'll never forget, <laughs> definitely. Um, no, the furthest I've ever been... As I said, in, you know, I didn't know this question was coming up next. I went to America when Under the IT came out, the crazy week where it went into, you know, the Billboard Top Ten, and they played an incredible gig at the Bowery and at a place in Boston, which I think has been knocked down now, called the Axis. Oh, really? Um, so yeah, that that's the furthest I've been to to Boston and New York. And and of course, we uh, <laughs> we did book a trip to New York, didn't we, to see the band when they were due to play Carnegie Hall. Yeah, we did. And they ended up cancelling. Yeah, that didn't work out too well, unfortunately. No. But fortunately, um, for me, anyway, my my other f- great musical passion, David Ford, also happened to be playing in America in the same few days, so we went and saw him instead. And, and it, it was very good, and I have, a, I have an abiding memory of us going to a place called The Living Room in New York on the night when we would have seen Keane in the same city. And um, David Ford, uh, who's a, he's a big fan of... of the boy Flynn as well came and stood on the table and ruffled Chris's hair while he sang one of his songs and uh, that's a, a that great almost memory. made up for it <laughs> what would your dream keen podcast sound like like this one um, I think our dream one would be you know Richard uh, Richard presenting it because I think he's got a lot to offer in the podcast arena we see a bit of talent there don't we yeah definitely so yeah R- Richard 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 in charge Next one. Let's talk about funny moments. Do you have any really funny or embarrassing moments with Keen that you'd be willing to share with us? Well, I, I think, you know, well, Chris knows what I'm going to say. It was when mm. we went to interview Tim for keymusic.com and um, we sat down and started chatting and uh, we asked him whether he'd been on the message board lately. And Tim said, no, I haven't actually been on there in ages. But the last thing I saw was you, Chris, saying you really are a f***ing to someone. And I, th- I thought that was that was brilliant. Obviously, that set the tone for the uh, the rest of the time. Quite embarrassing. <laughs> okay, now I've got a bunch of questions from Pacific uh, Pacific <laughs> folks. You can edit that out. Okay, so the first one is from Mayan Schneider in New York City. She wants to know uh, what is the one thing you've asked or said to Keen that you truly regret. Um, for example, as soon as you said it, you wanted to take it back. Um, I don't know. It's a more serious answer. I mean, I'm sure. There were, you know, there have been times probably when we've done sort of interviews or things with the band before when, you know, I've probably come across a bit of a dick, to be honest. I think it always comes from a genuine place, but we haven't really got away with words, have we? Yeah. Well, and also, I think it's probably the fact that I was probably a bit of a dick at times before as well. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, there are, in hindsight, probably two or three times when, you know, I've probably, you know, been a bit of a dick, but... I don't um, think they've held it against us. No, thankfully, and that's to their immense credit that, you know, generally speaking, our hearts are generally in the right place, even if, you know, sometimes our mouths are not. Megan Cooper from Stockton, California asks, what was it like the first time you met the members of Keen? Were you terrified or just excited? And what was their reaction to your work? Ah, okay. So the first time I ever met Keen was a gig in Northampton in February 2004. Um... I think someone introduced me to Richard or said, you know, Chris Flynn's over there. And I, by that time, I'd been moderating on the message board for a few weeks. So they kind of knew the name, but didn't know how old I was, you know, who I was, what I looked like, whether I was a sane person or some, some crazy internet person. Because, you know, they hadn't really dealt with any sort of fans of the band before. 
uh, and I had an avatar of Kylie Minogue at, at the time. So Richard's first ever words were t- to me were a very disappointed, oh, you don't look anything like Kylie. So <laughs> I, I distinctly remember that. And uh, I remember asking Tom to post more on the message board and I could sort stuff out for him. And then I asked my myself icebreaker with Tim was I was getting Fierce Pandas Everybody's Changing single signed and I asked him if the fourth chord in Sunshine was a B flat major suspended fourth with uh, an augmented fifth as well. And, and what, then, what and did he say? He, he politely answered the question saying, yeah, it's something like that and told me what the notes were. And then I said, oh, by the way, I'm Chris Flynn. And then he laughed and said, oh, that makes sense now. Uh, I think that maybe set the tone for my relationship with Keen. Uh, and this was all, all years before we started the podcast, so that came afterwards. Yeah. Um, How about you, Andrew? I was just trying to think. I, um, I, I I turned up at the Academy, having done very little research, with a guy called Richard Swales and um, a girl who was just sort of, um, you know, along with us for the ride. Um, and we were given Tim for that time and it was you know it was probably one of the most polite people that I I interviewed during my time at the radio station then we had the outrageous fortune through XFM to do the the show with the band two or three weeks later Um, and you know again I I think I tried speaking to Tom before the show and he I think sort of was very monosyllabic and buggered off after I tried to say hello and Tim was very friendly, and I think Richard spent his entire time talking to girls at the bar, um, from what I can remember after the show. But um, I think the, the only time I actually sort of ever really spoke to, you know, the band was sort of, you know, months later after shows and was able to sort of introduce myself and in the same way that Chris did, really, I guess. And They've been so nice to us over the years, though, now. Oh, ab- unbelievably. I mean, I cannot imagine ever having had a, 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 a better relationship with... Uh, some strangers. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Priscilla from Brazil asks, which member of Keen was the most receptive to you guys when you first started your podcast? Okay. Um, uh, Tim, I guess. Tim was our first guest, wasn't he? He came to my horrible little grotty house and, you know, on his own, no minders or anything. He just turned up one day. So that was really cool. I think it's, it speaks volumes that after his experience with uh, Chris's death trap of a flat, um, none of the band have ever turned up to the podcast unaccompanied since. Sarah Hennessy from Dublin, Ireland asks, what has been your favourite Keen gig so far and why was it so special? Oh, so many for different reasons. It's, it's always the same thing, isn't it? You're, some for the people, some for the time before and after, some for the music. I think, I'm not just saying this because it's Sarah asking the question, but Dublin in 2007, a few days before they played the O2, yeah. that was a pretty amazing gig and I think Tom said that was his favourite of the year, even beating the O2, because the atmosphere in Ireland was absolutely electric and just this little relatively small venue of you know 8,000 I think with sort of sawdust on the floor, it was it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I think, okay, quick answers, um, the... Um, the Barry Ballroom show in New York, the whole day was absolutely incredible because there was an in-store at uh, Columbus Circle earlier in the day. We had to get up at 7 in the morning. I got up with Martin uh, Martin Clark, who an absolute legend as far as, uh, as, far as you know, the early days of Keen are concerned. Went to, you know, pretty much every show back in the day. Um, I think he probably went to 43 in one year. <laughs> 
43 in two months um but yeah he um he graciously allowed me to sleep on the floor of his hotel room woke me up took me to columbus circle bought a copy of the record when as soon as the borders open stay for the in, uh, you know the the in-store went down to the barry um enjoyed an incredible show like an absolutely incredible show went out and got drunk afterwards it was amazing what more do you need exactly Sarah Hall from Rugeley, England asks, what is your all-around best Keen-related memory? I think probably when we had Tim come over before Christmas to do the podcast. And Tim came over to the house and we had the Christmas tree up and it started snowing. And that was that was a lovely day, wasn't it? It was. Is that Keen-related or podcast-related? Um, both, really. <laughs> Uh, it was uh, that was a lovely day, and I thought we had a you know we had a great chat. Lewis Young asks, in your opinion, who is the most important member of Keen, and why? Clearly, the most important member of Keen is Adam, on the basis that um, he basically helped to make them what they are today. Is that a diplomatic answer, Chris? I think, I think Beth is quite important in getting them out of bed and making sure oh, they're very, in the right very place. Very much so, yeah. So. Um, I mean, really, we're, we're, we're tiptoeing around the fact that the answer's probably Tim. But. <laughs> Jane Everett from Church Stratton asks, are either of you musical in any way, and if so, how? Well, obviously, I'm the musical one of the two of us. I've got a, I've got a very large collection of instruments. Right. That Can I just say, Chris is sat next to a piano, um, a Les Paul copy guitar that was used on stage at the Reading Festival once, a set of electric drums, a theremin, a musical saw, a an accordion, fucking hell, um, a, sty- a stylophone, is that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a hell of a lot of musical instruments in here. The mixer, obviously, that we're using now, the microphones that we're holding... Um, you're making some kind of <laughs> masturbation gesture, but I, I was miming the ukulele. Oh yeah, of course. The well, yeah, the ukes upstairs. Have you got your violin here as well? No, that's uh, that's at home. But uh, Chris yeah. plays an awful lot of instruments. I, I play them with uh, limited success, but uh, yeah, there's only one instrument I play with limited success, Chris. Leah Salt from Toronto, Ontario asks, "You are always joking on the podcast about wanting risque email. What's the craziest, most unexpected email you've ever received?" And then also our second question, what are your personal favourite podcasts that you subscribe to? I don't think we actually get very many crazy emails at all. I think it's more disappointing that we don't. I really would like people to phone us more often. If you if you ever listen to anything on the podcast and think, what a bunch of then please just, just dial our number and, and let us know exactly what you think. We'd love to have that feedback and you know and if you can throw some constructive comments in there too, that, that that'd be great. Sherry Winchester from Spring Lake, Michigan asks, has Keen ever surprised you with something they've done? Um, I was kind of surprised that Richard got married because um, I'd always had him down as gay. Okay, and a few more general questions from a bunch of folks. Tom has mentioned that he'll play the flute on this next album, album number four. What do you think about that? Does it surprise you? And have you heard any confirmation on if he'll do it or not? Sure, great. I so long as it's as part of a really good song, then to be honest, he can play whatever the hell he likes, as far as I'm concerned. Do you think it'll be a a, a jazz flute style solo, as in Anchorman? Uh, well, that's one option. 
Next one, with all the knowledge you have about Keen, what do you think about writing a Keen biography? I don't think that's something that either of us ever thought, ever thought about, but um, are they famous enough to have a biography about them? Yes. Well, I remember they had that, that cheeky rip-off book about them in 2004 when... Ah, uh, yeah. Um, you remember sort of the, you know, the guy who writes hundreds of unofficial biographies, but um, that's an interesting one, actually. I mean, if if anyone, if any publisher wants to make us an offer, then we'll definitely consider it. What's next with your podcast? Are there surprises planned for this year? Well, I mean, if we told you, then they wouldn't be surprises. Um... I think we've got a few ideas this year. I think it's going to be it's going to be a very very quiet year generally in terms of the band. So um, I think our podcasts will be probably few and far between. But we'll see. All right. The final question before the lightning round: What keen related dream would you love to see come true for you? That's uh, that's potentially quite an embarrassing question, isn't it? <laughs> um, I don't tend to have keen dreams. Um, I think she means figuratively, not you know literally dreams you have in bed. I would like to see them play an unplugged set at a place called the Crow's Nest at Glastonbury. Oh. It's not really much of a dream, I know, but I just um there are some things that you'd like to, you know, you'd like to see before you die and um I think I'd like to see that. This is going to sound like a bit of a cop out and you know it's really difficult answering questions. I I do start I'm starting to feel some empathy for the band now, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is quite a difficult thing to do. Um I haven't really got it. I wouldn't say I really have any ambitions I for know King what Queens. Chris's ambition is. Go on. What's my ambition? Well, a few years ago, I made a well, I contributed to a charity fund which helped Chris to sing on stage with one of his musical heroes, David Ford. Oh. And I know that... Well, he didn't sing on stage. He played piano on stage while his his, his hero, David Ford, sang. And, you know, I bet Chris's uh, real dream would be to play on stage with uh, with Tim and the rest of the band. I, pr- I probably wouldn't do it. I'd probably run off crying about three minutes before. I, I bet that that's really your dream, yeah? I don't know. Don't be shy. <laughs> That's why I said it would be embarrassing. Next question. Okay, and the lightning round. Now, like any lightning round, remember, you have to say the first thing that pops into your head. So no pontificating. Just answer as quickly as possible. First question. If you could listen to one Keen song for the rest of your life, what would you choose? To the end of the earth. Atlantic. No, um, looking back. Or something in me was dying. No, um, one of those three. Next, what is your favourite Keen album? Under the Iron Sea. Perfect Symmetry. What about your least favourite song from Keen? Uh, put It Behind You. <laughs> Can I say Put It Behind You again? Really? Put It Behind You. I think, for me, it's got to be He Used To Be A Lovely Boy. Actually, yeah, probably. I've never really got my head around that one. It's not that I dislike it, I just it's never clicked for me. Maybe I'll get it tomorrow. Okay, yeah, He Used To Be A Lovely Boy with Put It Behind You Close Second. <laughs> This is a great one from a fan. Best Keen song to snog to? To snog to? I mean, we're grown men. I mean, we don't snog. We make beautiful love. Let's not go into that question. (laughs) Your favourite band member? Tim. I've just got a music crush on Tim, I think. And finally, from an anonymous fan, boxers or briefs? Um, Obviously, I mean, briefs are essential in a legal sense. Boxes, essentially, in a sporting sense. So, 
Um, I don't see how the two, you know, it's not really an either or thing. They're not really mutually exclusive, you know. No, I, I, I don't, I don't understand the question. So, um, thanks very much, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay, and everyone who asks questions. So, thanks again to Lindsay for her questions, and be sure to check out her blog. You'll find the details on our Twitter. As we said at the outset, it's looking like we have a long way ahead for any new key material. So, with that in mind, what we've got are a couple of recommendations for you just to keep you ticking over until Album 4 actually drops. Do you want to go first, Chris? Well, the band who I've been sort of listening to recently is a sort of forky English band, but not Laura Marling or Mumford & Sons, it's Nora and the Will. Um, the big single off their first album was Five Years Time, and they had a, an incredibly depressing second album. I went to see them live the other week and genuinely thought I'd gone to the wrong gig. Because the, the first few songs were just like out-and-out out rock songs. They're, they're completely different to what I expected. Um, and yeah, he, he, here's a song by them. Okay, so that was the first track from their second album, uh, The First Days of Spring. Uh, the, the new album, by the sounds of it, is going to be a lot more rocky, but it hasn't come out yet, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. Cool, cool. Um, I've picked something by a band from up your way, um, Chris, from uh, Newcastle. That's not really my way, but... It's a bit more your way than around here, anyway. Um, they're called Let's Buy Happiness, and... I saw them for the first time at Glastonbury last year, um, purely by chance, having heard them on uh, Worthy FM, which is the you know the temporary radio station they have just for the festival. Um, I thought they were brilliant. They um, they did well in the Emerging Artists competition, and they did so well, in fact, that they won a slot on the John Peel stage um, as one of the openers. And I, I thought they were fantastic, and I may well have even mentioned them on the podcast before. But anyway, um, they have a single out this week. Um, this isn't it. This is a, fun, a different one of their songs called Six Wolves, and it's it's brilliant. So yeah, as I said, a single out this week called uh, Fast Fast, and you can find that on iTunes now, um, or go along to the band's website and I'm sure you can buy like a physical one or something. Anyway, that's all we've got time for this week on Beyond the ANC. As always, our mailbox is always open. It is mailbox at beyondtheinc.com. And if you want to keep up with the latest tip bits, follow us on Twitter at beyondinc. So, that's it from us. Until next time. See you.